will please take your Bibles, and if you'll turn with me at this time to the book of First Peter, we're going to be uh, closing out chapter 1 and uh, looking at the first couple of verses in chapter 2 uh, in First Peter. It's the first Sunday of the new year, and uh, this, is a really, this is a great time to be thinking about and talking about Christian growth. And uh, one of the places I like to turn to in Scripture that has to do with Christian growth is this passage in First Peter. Uh, this is what Peter talks about, uh, growing as Christians, where we most need to grow as Christians, and then how we're, how we're supposed to get there. How do we get there? And uh, so we're going to be uh, looking, like I said, at the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, but I'm just going to read chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 uh, as we get started. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of God. And let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would indeed speak to us, challenge us, encourage us uh, to grow in you in this new year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Got milk? You ever heard that phrase before? Got milk? It's like only one of the most successful advertising campaigns over the past three or four decades. The, you know, you've seen the campaigns, the billboards, or the ads, and a celebrity will be there, and they'll, they'll have like this milk mustache across their face, and they'll be holding a glass of milk. They'll be going, got milk? Got milk? And, and uh, the dairy industry's been riding that one for a long time. Well, you know, in our text this morning, the Apostle Peter makes a similar plea. But instead of talking about milk from a cow or from a carton or from a glass, he's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the Word of God. And so asking in that vein this morning, let me bring the question to you again. You got milk? You got milk? Do you have the Word of God in your life? Are you reading it, learning it, studying it, memorizing it? When you read God's Word, does it affect the way that you live? You see, just as uh, real milk is vital for healthy growth and development, so the Word of God is essential for Christian growth and development. We're entering the new year. This is an appropriate time to stop and evaluate, how am I doing? How am I growing as a Christian? Am I becoming more like Christ? With each passing year? Am I becoming more loving, more patient, more kind, more unselfish? Because if not, if I'm not growing, then something's wrong. Something's seriously wrong. I mean, if, if a baby's not developing properly, that, that's an emergency, isn't it? We rush them uh, you know, to the pediatrician. We want to know what's the matter, what's going on. And in similar fashion, we should be concerned if we're not growing. As Christians, and we should take whatever measures necessary to put us back on the pathway of growth. And Peter makes two basic points uh, in our passage this morning. Basically, he's talking about Christian growth. And first of all, he says that Christian growth cannot be separated from Christian love. We'll look at that. And then he says Christian growth cannot be separated from the Word of God. We'll look at that as well. And There's an outline in your worship guide. I'd encourage you to take it out. It has uh, both of those points and the different verses we'll be looking at as we uh, work our way through the passage. But first of all, 
Christian growth cannot be separated from Christian love. See, love is at the very heart of Christianity. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor. The Apostle Paul wrote that without love, everything else is in vain. So what is Christian love? Well, Peter tells us about Christian love, and he outlines three qualities. He says Christian love is a sincere love, it is a deep love, and most importantly of all, it is a divine love. And I want us just to look at that briefly. First, Christian love is a sincere love. We're going to pick up in chapter 1, verse 22, where Peter writes this. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now, that that phrase, purifying yourselves by obeying the truth, that simply means responding to the gospel message with faith. That's how you become pure. You put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you are made pure. And So even though Peter says, now that you've purified yourselves, it's really Christ who does the work, right? Your part is simply believing and trusting. It is Christ who purifies you. But when you do this, when you purify yourself by obeying the truth, when you put your trust in Christ, in the gospel message, this results in what? In a sincere love for other believers. And that's the first part of Christian love. It is a sincere love for other believers in Christ. And so Peter's talking specifically here about love for other Christians, for other believers. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to love non-believers. Yes, there are other passages that talk about that. We're supposed to love everyone. But here he's specifically talking about loving other Christians. There's a particular love for the family of God. There's a special love for those who have been purified by faith, for those who love Christ and desire uh, to grow in him and to be like him. And Peter says that this love is sincere. It is a sincere love. It is genuine. It's the real thing. Literally, the word here means without hypocrisy. But notice that this sincere love for other Christians is not possible until you have first purified yourself by obeying the truth. In other words, your faith response to the gospel always comes first. But then a sincere love for believers will always follow. In fact, I would say it's really not possible for you to be a Christian without having this sincere love for other believers. Why? Because one of the first signs that you are a new believer is that you have a new love for God and a new love for God's people. So that's where it starts, and and this is so important, the sincere love for other believers. It's an essential mark of the new Christian, but it is not enough in and of itself. Christ wants us to continue to grow now in love for each other, and so Peter continues here now in verse, let's go back to verse 22, and we'll take it all the way to the end. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, now... Love one another deeply from the heart. So as a newborn Christian, you already have this sincere love for other believers. Now God says, take that a step deeper. Love each other deeply from the very depths of your heart. This word deeply here, it's a word that means earnestly, fervently, intensely. 
It means you've got to work at it. You've got to put some effort into this. That sincere love, that comes naturally. God just brings that into your heart when you believe in Christ. But now you've got to work at this. Jesus didn't die for us just so that we could have a sincere love for each other. We need to go deeper. We need to love each other deeply, fervently, intensely. And so although Christian love begins with a sincere love for other believers, it does not end there. Christian love and Christian growth demands that you go deeper in love. It's an expected part of your growth as a Christian. We are commanded to go beyond that sincere love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and now we love them deeply from your heart. And so why is this? Why must we grow as Christians into this deep love for each other from the heart? Peter says it's all because you've been born again. He says you're a new person in Christ. You've been born again. This is why God saved you, not just to forgive you of your sins. That's important enough, but so that you can be a channel of God's love. And so Christian love is not only a sincere love, it is not only a deep love, but it is also God's divine love flowing through the heart of the new believer. Sometimes we say things like this. We say, you know what? I just can't love that other person. I just can't love that person. You know, and let's face it, a lot of people aren't very lovable, right? And, you know, and we say, I, I can't love them. And you know what? You may be right. You may be right. You can't love them, at least not in your own strength. But God can love them. He can love them through you because you are a new person in Christ. And that's what Peter's saying here in verse 23. He's saying, he's saying why, why can you love each other deeply now? Because you've been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. You've been born again through God's word. You're a new person in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You're going to live forever. How could you not desire to grow in love for others? And notice how, how God's word is described here as the living and enduring word of God. God's word is living. It's alive. It's full of life and growth. It promotes life and growth in your life. God's word is enduring. It's something that lasts forever. Not like us. Peter continues, verses 24 and, and, and following. All men are like grass. That's us. All our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. And the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And Peter says this, and this is the word that was preached to you. In other words, this is the gospel message. This is the truth that you obeyed. Remember, we purified ourselves by obeying the truth. Back in verse 22, it is a faith response to the preaching of the gospel. Through that faith response, we are born again through the living and enduring word of God. So let's wrap up what we've talked about so far. One of the evidences of the new birth is this sincere love for other believers. One of the responsibilities of the new birth is that we grow in that love, loving one another deeply from the heart. And as a new person in Christ, it's God's own love, his divine love that flows through you by the Holy Spirit. What are we saying here? Christian growth cannot be separated from Christian love. Which means if you're not growing in love, then you're not growing as a Christian. And so that's our first part of Christian growth. 
And, uh, but there's a second part now. Just as Christian growth cannot be separated from Christian love, Christian growth also cannot be separated from the Word of God. Cannot be separated from God's Word. Just as the new birth begins when you gladly receive God's Word, so Christian growth and development continues with the daily intake of God's Word. God's Word is that spiritual milk for the believer, and just as milk is essential for an infant's growth, so the new believer needs the milk of God's Word in order to grow and mature as a Christian. So as we move now into chapter 2 of 1 Peter, Peter asks the question, got milk, (laughs) right? Do you have the Word of God? Is God's Word a daily part of your life? And Peter says two things about God's Word in these verses. First, he identifies some milk spoilers. Some milk spoilers. These are the things that will sour the milk of God's Word in your life. And he wisely instructs you, he says, just get rid of those. You you don't need that in your life at all. Get rid of the milk spoilers. And then secondly, he tells you to crave the real thing, to crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word so that you may grow up in your salvation. But first, what do you got to do? Got to get rid of those milk spoilers. And Peter talks about them here in verse 1. He says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And these milk spoilers, these are five sins that will choke out the effectiveness of God's word in your life. Notice that all five of these are what we might call relational sins. These are all sins which one person commits against another. Remember, the whole context of this passage is growing in love, growing in Christian love. Peter just said you've got to love one another deeply from the heart. Therefore, you've got to get rid of these relational sins that interfere with love. So I'm going to take a few moments here now and take a closer look at each one of these milk spoilers. There are five of them here. The first one is malice. Malice. Malice is simply the desire to see another person harmed. Malice does not require any action on your part. You don't have to do anything. It's simply that desire to see the other person suffer harm in some way. Obviously, malice is incompatible with Christian love. Why? Love desires the best for the other person, while malice desires their harm. So our first milk spoiler, and Peter says, get rid of it. You got any malice in your life? Get rid of it. It's going to choke out God's word in your life. The second milk spoiler is deceit. Deceit. Deceit is the deliberate attempt to mislead another person. The word itself uh, comes from a verb meaning to catch with bait. Right? You're, you're trying to deceive the person. and You're trying to gain something from them by not telling them the truth. Deceit is inconsistent with Christian love because we saw earlier, what does Christian love begin with? It's a sincere love. And sincerity is the opposite of deceit. The Bible tells us that we should speak the truth in love. And so deceiving others, leading them astray, making them believe that certain falsehoods are true, this is not loving 
behavior. And the easiest way with all of these to tell that is just flip it around. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever been deceived by another person? Of course you have. We all have. Well, how did it make you feel? When the truth came to light, how did you feel about that? Well, you probably felt a little foolish, betrayed. You see, that's how others will feel if you treat them deceitfully in their lives. Peter says, get rid of it. Get rid of all deceit in your life. Our third milk spoiler here is hypocrisy. And uh, the, the Greek word here, it's actually in the plural. It's, it's actually hypocrisies, uh, or you could translate it as every kind of hypocrisy. I don't know all the different labels and sublabels and subcategories of hypocrisy, but whatever it is, get rid of all of it is what Peter says. You see, hypocrisy is a special kind of deceit because hypocrisy is deceit about yourself. It's pretending to be different from, from who you really are. It's, it's trying to make yourself Look good, pretending to act from good motives when you're really motivated by selfish desires. And hypocrisy is not compatible with Christian love because, once again, it's not sincere. It's not real. It's all a facade. Hypocrisy masquerades as love in order to conceal the malice or envy which hides beneath the mask. And speaking of envy, that's our fourth Milk spoiler, envy. This word's also plural in the Greek. So you could translate this as every kind of envy. Any kind of envy you can think of, get rid of it. Get rid of all of it. What is envy? Envy is the longing for what others have. Envy arises from, a fe- from an attitude of discontent. It violates the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. Christian love has no place for envy. Because envy seeks to diminish the other person in order to elevate yourself. You wish that what they had, that they didn't have it, but that you did. Whether their possessions, their looks, their status, or their talents. You cannot love someone and envy them at the same time. So Peter says, get rid of every kind of envy in your life. And then we've got one more. The fifth milk spoiler is slander. This word's also in the plural here, meaning every kind of slander. Every kind. Private, public, passive-aggressive, <laughs> you know, hidden, whatever it is, every kind of slander. Slander is simply when you speak evil of another person, which is obviously contradictory to Christian love. In fact, In the next chapter, chapter 3, Peter will say that slander is how Christians are treated by their enemies. That's how enemies treat Christians, is they slander them. How terrible for Christians to treat each other this way. So Peter says, get rid of these milk spoilers. They have no place in your life. They have no place in the body of Christ. You cannot love each other deeply as Christ is commanded while holding on to malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander. Once again, you cannot separate your Christian growth from Christian love. Now, that's the negative side of the equation, okay? Getting rid of the the, the milk spoilers. That's the negative side. But there's a positive side to all of this, and, and that's where Peter ends, and that's where we end this morning. The positive side is this. We, we read these verses earlier, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk 
so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And people sometimes wonder, well, what exactly is this milk that's mentioned here? Because if you look at different Bible translations, some Bibles translate it as pure spiritual milk. Uh, others uh, translate it as the pure milk of the word. You go, well, those are two different phrases. Which one is it? And uh, the reason why it's translated sometimes different ways is the word there is a word that can mean either spiritual or something that pertains to the word, particularly the word of God. And so the word can mean either one or both. So I, in context, I, I think it really means both. I mean, that's, that's the context of this passage, Christian love, being born again through the word of God. I like to translate it this way, like newborn babies crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Just put it all together, because that's what the word means. Crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Notice that God's spiritual milk is pure. There are no milk spoilers in God's word. It is undiluted, unadulterated, uncontaminated, pure, clean, perfect, nourishing, spiritual milk because it is the very word of God. And Peter says we are to crave God's word the same way a newborn infant craves milk. Ever had a newborn in the house? What happens when they don't get their milk? Oh boy, it's not a pretty scene, is it? Right? You know, I, I, there's no newborn infant who is apathetic about milk, okay? Sadly, there may be some Christians apathetic about God's word. Not supposed to be that way. No infant is apathetic about milk. Uh, in fact, it's probably the most critical desire that he or she experiences. A newborn infant will naturally crave milk. They'll fuss and they'll cry if that milk is not delivered on time, on schedule. And in the same way as Christians, we should crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Why? So that we can grow up. This is all about Christian growth, so that you can grow up in your salvation. Just as Christian growth cannot be separated from Christian love, Christian growth cannot be separated from the Word of God. Just as milk strengthens and nourishes the newborn baby, so God's Word will strengthen and nourish you in your Christian walk. And then finally, Peter closes out this section by quoting from a psalm, Psalm 34, verse 8, which invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, Peter's talking to believers, so he says, you've already done that. You've already tasted that the Lord is good. He says, now that you've done that, now that you've tasted and you see that God is good, he says, crave God's word now, like a baby craves milk. And that's how you're going to grow as a Christian. I've noticed a certain situation among some Christians over the years. Perhaps you can identify with this. But there are many Christians who truly desire to grow in their faith. They, they, they want to become more like Christ. They, they want to be more focused on God in their life. They sincerely want to grow as a Christian. And yet for some reason, they don't. They, they, they really desire to spend time in prayer with God every morning. They go, that would be wonderful. I would just love to spend to, to start my days in prayer with God. But they rarely do. They desire to study God's word. They say, oh man, I want to study God's word. I want to learn God's word. It's going to be so good for me. But they do not avail themselves 
of the opportunity. They want to be devoted to God in every aspect of their life, but they always find themselves slipping back into their old patterns and habits. Now, I I don't doubt their sincerity at all. They really do want to grow, but they never seem to grow at all. And you look at that and go, how do you explain that? Well, first of all, you've got to ask this question. Why is that desire to grow there in the first place? Where did that come from? Because trust me, most people out there have no desire to grow to be more like Jesus. Most people uh, outside of Christianity in the church. So where did that come from? I believe it is because they have tasted. They have tasted that the Lord is good. Perhaps it was at a retreat or during a worship service, or during a a quiet time of prayer alone with God at home. Perhaps it was just during their earlier days as a Christian when Christ and the church and faith and the Word of God all just seemed so fresh and new. It may have been at any time, but I can guarantee you, somewhere along the way, they have tasted the goodness of God. And in that tasting, they discovered something. They discovered that nothing can satisfy like Jesus. Nothing can touch the depths of our souls in the way God can. Nothing matches intimacy with Christ through the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the wonderful goodness and richness of God. And nothing else they've encountered in life even comes close. And so they truly desire to live this God-centered life. They truly desire to grow in Christ, but still they're not growing. Day after day, week after week, sometimes year after year, the years slip by, they stay the same, little change, little fruit, little growth. So what's the problem? What's missing? Peter would say, got milk, right? It's really that simple. What's usually missing is regular time spent with God in his word. Not just reading his word and checking the box. Regular time spent with God in his word. It really is that simple. If you're not in the word of God, then you're not growing. In fact, I would say you're not even standing still. You're moving backwards. You're losing ground. You're wasting valuable time in your life and for the kingdom of God. So what do you do? How do you you grow up in your salvation? How do you get out of this stuck year? First of all, Peter says, love one another. Can't separate Christian growth from Christian love. Love one another deeply from the heart. You got to get rid of those milk spoilers. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Say, God, I don't want those anymore. Take those out of my life. It's all part of the old sinful nature. That's not part of the new you that was born again by God's Spirit. And so you make a conscious decision. It's like, these will no no longer have a part in my life. I make a clean break with them. And then secondly, understand the lasting value of God's Word, right? The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. You've already tasted that the Lord is good. Now crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word so that you may grow as a Christian. An entire banquet awaits you in the pages of this book. So come, sit down, 
and eat. Pray before you read, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Hunger after God's word like a newborn baby craves milk. So it's the start of a new year. And if you want to invest in something that has eternal value in 2024, let me encourage you, commit yourself to spending time in God's Word. We have some reading guides out in the foyer. If you don't have a reading plan, you're welcome to take one of those. They're free. If you've already got a plan, good for you. Just work that plan. There's lots of apps available on your phone or computer or tablet that will help you with uh, putting together a reading plan. But whatever you do, read God's Word this year. Study it. Learn it. Make it a vital part of your daily life. Look for opportunities to learn more. Join a a small group or Bible study. There are so many ways you can learn more about God's Word. Podcasts, books, Christian books. So many ways to learn more about God's Word. Don't miss out on them. Bottom line, you've been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. And you will only grow as a Christian as you spend time with God in His Word. Got milk? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we're sorry for the times that we don't crave your word. We're sorry for the times that we let uh, days or even weeks slip by and, and we haven't been faithful in spending that time with you. And then, Lord, we wonder why we're not growing. Lord, help us to take these words from First Peter uh, seriously in our lives this morning. And as we start this new year, to start it with a fresh commitment to being with you in your word, to growing in love, to growing in knowledge of your word, to growing to be more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.